Can you put up Daniel chapter 7, verse 1 and 2? I want to talk to you about how dreams and visions fit together and how they flow in God's Word and, and just kind of take it apart and look at it for a little while tonight. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. And he wrote down the dream telling the main facts. Go to the next slide. Thank you. Daniel spoke saying, I saw in my vision by night. I want you to note that he calls this dream a vision by night. And behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. So we understand that dreams and visions are really the same thing. One happens while we're asleep. One happens while we're awake. But I think the rules and... uh, I don't want to say rules, but the principles of God's word apply uh, the same for dreams and visions. Dreams are one of the most overlooked forms of communication that is used by God. The word of God consistently reveals God as speaking to people through this universally experienced and mysterious phenomenon. Jack Deere in his book, Surprised by the Voice of God, defines dreams as images accompanied by thoughts and emotions we see while we're asleep. Visions and dreams are visions or dreams that we have while we are awake. Dear notes, the Bible uses the terms dreams and visions interchangeably as in our text in Daniel chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. Now, what are the biblical reasons? Why does God use dreams to speak to us? Well, first of all, let me disqualify that. God speaks to us many times in dreams because he's got our undivided attention. We're not distracted, television's not playing, the phone's not ringing, we're not on Facebook, we're not distracted by all the things that go on around us, and God has our individual attention. And he speaks to us in the night season into our subconscious, although your body's asleep, your spirit man's still awake, still alive, still active, and God can speak to you in dreams. Now, dreams have a language, and you have to really be a student of God's word many times to unlock the language of those dreams. The Bible says in Proverbs that it is the duty of a king to search out a matter. And read the Bible from the first beginning in Genesis to Revelation. Men and women have dreams. Leaders have dreams. Prophets have dreams. Ordinary people like you and I have dreams, and God speaks to them in dreams. So what are the biblical reasons? Why does God use dreams to speak to us? Number one, in Genesis 41, 1 through 8, he warns global leaders of future events. This is where he used Joseph to speak to Pharaoh. Pharaoh had a dream. Actually, he had two dreams if you read the 41st chapter there, the first eight verses. And he, all of his magicians and soothsayers and all of his priests of, of all the religions that were worshipped in that day in idolatry, they couldn't interpret his dream, but there was a man that God had hidden away in a prison. And God in one day promoted him from the prison house to the palace and he became the prime minister of Egypt because God gave a dream to a leader and God used him to interpret that dream in order to bring promotion into his life. And it was a warning and they, they, they didn't brought Joseph and Joseph prepared Egypt and what could have been devastating for Egypt was turned around and Egypt became the greatest nation and the richest nation in the known world of that day because they listened to the dream that God brought in a warning. Number two, he provides revelation to his prophets in Numbers chapter 12 verse 6. Now prophets in the Old Testament were held to a pretty high standard. If you gave a prophecy and it didn't come to pass, guess what happened to you? 
They didn't call you before the conference board and say, we're going to revoke your ordination. They took you out back and stoned you with stones. Come on, somebody. But they would have dreams, and it would bring revelation to the prophets. In Matthew 27, 17 through 19, we have dreams to warn us against certain decisions. Pilate's wife had a dream, sent to Pilate and said, this man is innocent. God warned her in a dream. You say, well, Pilate, Pilate had a choice. Pilate could have done something different. But Pilate didn't listen to the warning that God gave to his wife. In Genesis 37, 5 through 8, he reveals divine destiny for our lives. That's where Joseph dreamed that one day he would rule over his brothers. Now listen, a little word of caution there. If God gives you a dream where you're ruling over all the people that are around you and they're bowing down to them, don't tell them. We're not going to like it. Be careful who you show and who you reveal what God is speaking into your heart and in your spirit about. But he uses dreams to reveal our divine destiny. He uses dreams to answer petitions and prayers in 1 Kings 3, 5 through 15. We pray and God will use a dream to speak to us. Solomon has offered sacrifices. They've dedicated the temple and Solomon prays. And God visits Solomon in a dream and in this dream he gives Solomon choices. And Solomon chooses, I want wisdom. And we talk about the wisdom of Solomon. Solomon wrote many of the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Solomon was one of the wisest men that ever lived as long as he followed God and, and then adhered to his statutes. But God visited him in a dream. Reasons for dreams, to expand our understanding of God. God will visit you sometimes and just give you a glimpse of his heart. Isaiah and Ezekiel were two prophets whose lives were changed forever by seeing visions of God's majesty and awesome might. In Ezekiel 1.1, by the river Chabar, God visited him. And he kept having to tell Ezekiel, Standest thou up, man of God. But he had an experience with God in Isaiah 6.1. Tim quoted it early. He saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Dreams come to build courage and strength. Both Jacob and Paul needed assurance of God's presence in order to take the next step in their faith journey. God will visit us in dreams. You remember Jacob went to a place called Luz, pillowed his head on a stone. He pillowed his head on a pillow that night. He went to sleep. He saw the heavens open. He saw the angels of God ascending and descending. He saw a portal, an opening in the heavens. God opened the heavens, and Jacob had a revelation of God, and he saw a ladder, a stairway that was set up between heaven and earth. And he saw that, and when he woke up, he declared the name of that place as Bethel, El being the name of God, Beth being the name of a dwelling, and it means the dwelling place or the house of God. And Bethel was a place where men had visions. Bethel was a place where men encountered God. Bethel became, it was changed because the heavens were open. All of that as a result of a dream. God will use dreams to give us direction and guidance. It was the Apostle Paul that saw a man in Macedonia crying out for help. And tonight, you and I are believers and are Christians in the Western Hemisphere because Paul shifted his focus from Asia Minor more towards Europe, into Macedonia, into Greece, into that area. And as a result of a dream tonight, you and I are probably Christians and not of some other religion. I want you to see the power 
of a dream that God can give to us. We discount it. We don't pay attention to it. But I want to tell you something. It is a language that God uses to communicate with his people. So the question is, does God use dreams today? Acts 2.17, I told you we'd come back to that. It confirms to us that God continues to use dreams as a means of communication in the New Testament age. Now, if you believe the chapter of Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, is the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the New Testament church, and this gave birth to the New Testament church that we're a part of, and we're in what's called the age of grace, we're in the New Testament church dispensation, we're in that time where God's pouring out His Spirit on the Gentiles and on all nations, we're in a great time where God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on the last days. So if we believe that, then we have to believe what it says there, that your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Now, that's not talking about young in the sense of age and old in the sense of age. I told somebody, I've had a lot of dreams, therefore I must be old. I think it has more to do with maturity, being settled in the faith, than it does with age. But he said, in the last days, I'll speak in visions and I'll speak in dreams. If you believe that, say amen. So, dreams are messages sent either by God's spirit or from your own soul, which comprises the mind, the will, and the emotion. Now, there are three places dreams can come from. Dreams can come from the enemy. The devil can mess around and, and, and give you a dream. Dreams can come out of our own emotions, out of our own soul, out of what we've seen, what we've been affected by, out of our own humanity. How many of you know every dream is not from God? But dreams can also come from God, and we're going to talk about that. So you are a body, a soul, you're a tripart being, and a spirit. Spirit man is the part that God communicates with us. That's what the Bible calls the hidden man of the heart. That's the real me, that's who I am, that's the part of me that will never die. The soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. It comprises that. And here's what the devil does. The devil attacks you in your mind in order to stir up your emotions. He's looking for some reaction out of you. Therefore, he wants to, he wants to change the decision of your will. Now, I've learned this over about 30 years of ministry and dealing with with people who die. I've had a lot of funerals in my time. I've preached hundreds and hundreds of funerals. And it's always an honor to minister in a funeral service to be able to, to speak to a family and do that. I think it's a very important ministry. I found out this. A lot of times the doctors will come into the hospice and they'll say they should be dead according to everything we see. And they can live on for several days, sometimes a week. Ten, I mean, I've seen them say they won't make it through the night and they go 10, 12, 14 days. And they'll say the only thing keeping them alive is their will to live. That's a testament to the power of the human will. And some of us are strong-willed. That works in your favor sometimes when you face certain things. You have to, by the strength of your will, endure that, get through that, overcome that. But your will, what the enemy wants to do is he wants to, he wants to change your mind. He wants, to, he wants to stir up your emotions because he wants you to make a conscious decision of your will to do something that you shouldn't do. That's what temptation's about. Temptation is in the realm of the soul. Subconscious mind within your soul provides the background or screen for these messages to be broadcast on into your subconscious. How many of you have ever gotten into your car, 
Say you got up one morning, you're tired, you'd had a long night, and you got to go to work, and you get in your car, and it's almost like your car can go to work, by, and you get to work, and you think, how did I get, I don't hardly remember this. That's all in your subconscious. God comes and he deals with that subconscious. He deals with us in the night seasons. Now, let's look at dreams. Webster's defines dreams as a sub- succession of images or ideas presented in the mind during sleep. One word for dreams in the Greek language, which is defined as something seen in sleep or a vision in a dream. That's one of the words that's used in the scriptures in the Greek language to describe dreams. Dreaming is a natural physiological function that is common to every human being and is necessary for maintaining adequate mental and emotional health. If one is deprived of what we call REM sleep, the sleep cycle at which dreaming occurs, that's that deep sleep that you get into. If you're deprived of that for a substantial length of time, the person can, uh, can incur serious medical and mental complications. One of the ways that torture is administered to people is sleep deprivation. Listen, you miss enough sleep, and it'll make you think, man, I'm losing my mind. So while most of our dreams are just a result of natural human function, and every Christian needs to be aware that sometimes God uses this natural function in a supernatural way. Dreams are a part of who we are. Now, there's a whole realm in New Age and in the psychological profession of having dreams and interpreting dreams. I reject that. You say, well, that just means that dreams are not for today. No, that's the counterfeit. That just means there's a real. Listen, just because there's counterfeit money, not that I have any, but I'm not going home and throwing any of my money away. But I'm not going home because there's a counterfeit and getting rid of the real. So I believe you, there's certain principles that God lays out in his word that when he speaks to us in a dream, we can look at God's word and we can out of God's word and through the Holy Spirit, begin to discern what God is saying to us. So spiritual dreams are inspired by God, then communicated to our subconscious minds. They have to be received and discerned by our conscious minds through the interpretation of the Holy Spirit. Now let me stop right here and tell you that when I feel like I have a dream from God, I write that dream down as much as I can remember. If I wake up in the night, sometimes I wake up in the night, I... I'll get my iPad out and type it away in the little note section of my iPad. And i got all these notes in my iPad of different dreams and things. If I can't find that, I'll find a pen and I'll write down those things. And I keep that. Because what I find out is God many times is speaking to me in dreams, the same thing he's speaking into my spirit. And I'll have not just one dream, but I'll have a series of dreams. And as you begin to look at those dreams, those dreams will begin to flow together and they'll begin to form a pattern. And you'll see that God is saying something to you. He's trying to communicate something to you to bring you revelation in your life. But you have to receive the dreams. You have to discern the dreams. How do I know that a dream is from God? Well, you have a sense when you wake up. God was speaking to me. How many of you have ever had that? I was preaching one time in a church, and I was preaching about how to stand and believe God for your prophetic promise. And I said, how many of you have a prophetic promise? I don't think three people in the church raised their hand. I thought, man, I'm on the wrong subject. You probably have dreams, but you do, maybe you don't pay attention to them. But I want to tell you, God speaks in dreams. I had a situation one time where I dreamed about an individual I went into this place, and there was a crowd of people there that knew me in this dream, and I was talking to them, and they were all hugging me, and we're so glad to see you, and 
whatever. And this individual came in and shook my hands, and we're so glad you're here. He said, can we step outside a minute? And we stepped out onto a stairway like a fire escape, and I'm standing here, and he's standing over me. And he took his finger. He says, you're not welcome here. You're not wanted here. And he turned. I woke up, and I thought, wow, what was that? Three days later, I received a phone call, and I found out that this this particular individual had a real problem and a difficulty and had said things about me, and the Lord warned me in a dream. He said, be careful of that. I knew that was from God. God will use those kinds of things sometimes to speak to you. I could tell you many more, but we'll move on. God still speaks today. God still speaks today. How does he speak? Well, God uses a variety of means to communicate with us. I'll tell you something. I know God's voice. I know God's voice. I've developed that discipline in my life. And I still work on that. When I pray, I don't just do all the talking. I don't just tell God all of my needs. Sometimes I'll have people tell me, Pastor, pray, and here's the way you need to pray. Then they outline how we need to pray. And that's okay. And maybe that's okay for some. But sometimes you just need to get in his presence and wait. I was preaching youth revival one time in Woodruff, South Carolina. And so every day I had a, the church we were pastoring had a parsonage. And behind it we had this building. And I built me an office study out there in that building. The, the house was a smaller house. And, and so I built a study out there in that building, a 16 by 20 room. And put my books and everything. And I'd go out there and, and I would pray. And so during this revival, every day I would go out there and I would try to pray. And I found out that I, I, I couldn't pray, so I'd just get still. I'd get quiet in the presence of the Lord. And I'd just listen and I'd just practice that discipline of listening to God. And sometimes you don't necessarily hear anything, but you leave with a, such a sense of peace, an overwhelming sense of his presence. I want to tell you, I had about 40 kids that got saved that week, maybe more. I mean... I mean, you give the altar call, and they start pouring. To the, it was the easiest <laughs> revival I ever had. And, and, and it didn't come because I was pounding my fist and crying out to God. It came because I stilled myself and listened in his presence. Now, there are times to cry out to God. God will speak to us from what we call the logos. That's the written word of God. God will speak out of his word. Matter of fact, everything he speaks had better line up and be a part of that word. He speaks from what we call the rhema word of God. And that's a word from the word. That's a word that, that God will quicken. I may say something tonight out of the logos, out of a scripture, and that may speak to you. It may spark something in you, and you'll say, hey, that's a rhema word from that scripture or some of that verse from me. A lot of times sermons that I develop, somebody will make a statement. I'll hear that. I heard the other night somebody read the scripture where at the, at the Noah's Ark, that God closed the door. I immediately wrote that down in some thoughts. I thought, wow, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build me a message and a thought around that. God closed the door. What happens when God closes the door? Became a rhema to me. So this is a Holy Spirit-inspired word, often from the Bible or from the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He will speak to an inner witness of our spirits. That's the still, small voice of God. And listen, that is not exclusive to people who have doctor, reverend, bishop, apostle, or anything in front of their name. That's for every single believer. Every single believer ought to have a relationship with God to the place that you can hear his voice and know him when he speaks to you. Beth and I have been married in just a few weeks, 26 years. She can start a sentence, I can finish it. I can start a sentence, she can finish it. It just comes from communication, from knowing each other, from living under the same roof, 
from being husband and wife, you just develop that kind of relationship. There's such a closeness that you just, you know each other. Listen, why can't it be the same in our relationship with the Lord? My goal has been to know his voice as much, if not more, than I know and recognize the voice of my wife. To know when God speaks. So how do we do that? Well, we develop ears to hear what the Spirit would say to us. God speaks through godly counsel. The Bible said in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. I never do anything. I never make decisions just off the cuff. Think I'll do this. and Man, I pray about it. I listen to the Holy Spirit. I seek his wisdom. I seek counsel. I, I have men in, and in my life who are older than me, wiser than me, smarter than I am, know more than, forgotten more than I'll ever know. I speak to them. I talk to them. I weigh it out. Why? God speaks through godly counsel. You have to be able to submit yourselves to authority. He speaks through biblical preaching. When the word of God's preached, that is God speaking. That's as much, I believe, a word from God as if it's thus saith the Lord. He uses nature, circumstances, and godly authority to speak into our lives. And we have to develop ears to hear and hearts to receive what God is saying. And one of the ways that God speaks is through dreams. So he'll send messages and he speaks through dreams and visions. Why? Because God has something to communicate to us. And I think sometimes it's the only time he can get us still enough and quiet enough that we listen. There are two types of dreams that God will give you. One's called an intrinsic dream. That's an internal dream. The other's called an extrinsic dream, which is an external dream. 80% or more of your dreams will be intrinsic. Your dreams are more about you than they are anybody else. Well, I had a dream about such and such or about somebody. That dream is probably not about that person. It's about what that person represents to you. God's trying to speak to us in dreams, exposing external mannerisms that need to change or revealing areas that we need to concentrate our prayers and our intercession. He may be teaching us more about his love or plan for our lives. Sometimes he's warning us in dreams. Let's go on. So how does God communicate in dreams? Well, first of all, it can be a warning dream. This time is meant to warn us about some future attack from the enemy or some difficult time ahead. This could be a warning about a friend, a spouse, a child. These are given so that we may pray and intercede for the individual. And oftentimes the calamity is not decreed from above and through prayer, the hardship can be avoided. You know, Abimelech was warned about Abraham's wife. You remember the story, Abraham lied. Y'all know Abraham. He was leader in the church. And he lied about Sarah being his wife. And Abimelech was about to take Sarah into his own harem. And God warned him in a dream. Now, it's interesting that even though Abraham was wrong, God still intervened for him. That's how much he loves us sometimes. That was a warning. When I dream about snakes, that means the devil's afoot. And you always have to look and see what kind of snake it is and what is involved in it. A cobra can mean the occult. I think a red razor has to do with uh, uh, a territorial spirit. If you dream about a storm, many times that's a warning about a storm that perhaps is coming. Now the key to that is this, that as you pray, you can avert that thing from coming because those things are coming not from God, they're coming from the devil. And God is warning you to give you insight so that you can pray. And I've just learned over the years to pay attention to that. God's trying to show me something that's going on in the spirit realm around me, something that the enemy's tried to hatch against me. Some years ago, I was pastoring, and I mean, and I had a situation. I, couldn't put my, I just couldn't put my finger on what was going on. 
And one night I had a dream. I dreamed I was walking with one of the leaders in that church through a mall. I was walking through a mall, and as I would walk by these stores, they were glass store fronts. And as I would walk by, these snakes would lunge at me from behind that glass. And they would hit that glass, and it would stun them, and they would fall as if they were unconscious. And I walked through this mall in this dream. I remember this like yesterday. I can see it, the vivid colors of it. And I come to this place, and on the top of it, it said children's shop. And me and the gentleman in the dream stopped, and the manager came running out, and he said, Pastor, you can't come in here because there's a rattlesnake in here, and he's after you. And about that time, I looked into the mall, and there was a rattlesnake in that mall. And my eyes caught the eyes of that snake, and that snake turned towards me. And the gentleman that was with me, he said, I'll take care of that. He went right in there and cut the head right off of that snake. And I woke up. And the whole thing got exposed. And it turns out that the enemy had attacked right in the midst of our children's ministry. God warned me, showed me in the dream what was going to happen. And when he cut the head off the snake, it meant God said, I'm about to cut the head off of that devil. I could tell you more. But that's just one where God has spoken in dreams. Secondly, it can be a confirmation dream. This dream simply confirms what you believe to be true about a person or situation, in fact, true. Sometimes you, you know, sometimes you just can't get, you can't get a feel for some things. You, you just kind of got this little sense like, oh, I just don't know. And you try to talk yourself out of it. You say, well, that's just me. That's my thoughts. And, and sometimes God will come in a dream and he'll, he'll, he'll just confirm that. Pilate's wife confirmed that her husband should release Jesus. Confirmation. Remember how he did? He said, I'm going to wash my hands of this thing. He was in a dilemma. He didn't know what to do, but God was trying to speak to him. Third is a prophetic dream. I'm almost done. This is a dream which reveals the future concerning yourself, another individual, and nation. An example from Scripture, as a 17-year-old Joseph dreamt about his future place of honor and his high government service. God was showing Joseph, this is what's going to happen to you. Now, if you read Psalms 105, you know, you find out that the word of the Lord tested Joseph. If God gives you a dream, if God speaks to you prophetically, if you have a destiny over your life, the word of the Lord is going to test you. And, and Joseph had to walk through the things he walked through. They were ordained of God. They were part of God's plan in his life so that he could be ready to rule and have grace when his brothers came to Egypt because God used him to save the Jewish race. They meant it for harm, but God turned it for their good. Well, how do I know that a dream is from God? So prophetic dreams are one of those dreams. I think they're dreams of comfort. It's not in my notes, but God will just give you a dream to, to comfort you. You'll wake up feeling, wow. Sometimes he'll just show you how much he loves you. How do we know when a dream is from God? Well, a spiritual dream, and sometimes it's, it's hard to discern. No doubt it's a very subjective experience, but most of us have had the feeling that some dreams are not like the rest. The image lingers, the emotions are strongly affected, and we get this feeling that what we just experienced is a message from above, a message that needs explanation. There's something that says, I need to search that out. I, I need to know what that means. I got a question mark about that. You just have a sense, you know in your spirit that that was from the Lord. And that's why I encourage you to write it down, pray about it, because... There are certain things in dreams that have meanings. We know if you dream of a snake, you dream of a storm, you dream 
that basically that's a warning that the enemy's afoot. You're going to maybe have an attack. The devil's trying to do something in your life. And you begin to pray about that. You ask the Lord, show me what that means. But you write things down. And I'm a detailed person when it comes to that. I, I write down everything. And the truth is, sometimes you need to find the main theme of that dream. And you may dream about your father, and that may not be your father in the dream. That father may represent God. If you dream about a man and you don't see his face, that's the Holy Spirit. So there are some things that you can say, well, I know that's what that... Some things may mean something different to you than me. If you dream about a car, that don't mean that you're necessarily going to get a brand new car. A car represents a ministry. If you dream about a truck, the bigger the truck, the, that can be the burden of the ministry. It can be a national ministry that God's trying to bring. If you dream about elevators, that means God's accelerating things in your life. He's taking you somewhere. If you're flying, that's a good dream. If you're flying in an, in an airplane, that means God's taking you somewhere. Now, if it's flying low, that can be danger. If it crashes, that's bad. Are you flying in a prop plane or are you flying in a jet? See, you, you understand what I'm saying? How many of you want to explore some of these things more? Can I finish this up real quick? Dreams and visions. Here's how, how, how do I know the source of my dream? Number one. Is the message of the dream or vision consistent with doctrine, teachings, and principles from the Word of God? If it's out and out, outside of the bounds of the Word of God, it's not from God. God never speaks contrary to His Word. Next. Is the message of the dream consistent with the teaching, character, and the nature of Jesus Christ? Dreams or visions will always magnify the person of Jesus and His principles. All revelation from Scripture's from spiritual dreams and visions will lead us into a closer, more committed relationship with our king. Does a message of the dream lead one to righteousness? If the message is more self-serving and speaks to our soulish desire, it's not a spiritual dream. It'll humble you. It'll, it'll encourage you. It'll bless you. You'll leave with a sense of, of God's heart. Does the individual receiving the dream or vision have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I believe God can speak to unbelievers in dreams. We've seen him do that, Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar, through the Scripture. I believe he can speak to people in dreams to bring conviction. But more often, he chooses to communicate with his children.